0: Devox for Kids is an organization that is inspiring children through robotics, programming, and engineering. Kids who attend a Devox for Kids workshop are exposed to entertaining and educational activities, such as writing a Minecraft mod or programming an Arduino. Arun Gupta is a software engineer and the president of the board for Devox for Kids USA, and in this episode we discuss coding education for kids, what happens at a Devox for Kids workshop and many other topics around software engineering that relate to kids and education. This is a great episode for anyone who has a kid that they want to expose to technology uh, or anyone who's looking to get involved in an organization like DevOps for Kids. There's plenty of opportunities. You could start a DevOps for Kids in your neck of the woods, and this episode has some great suggestions for how to do that. So I hope you enjoy it, and please send me any feedback, jeff at softwareengineeringdaily.com. With that, let's get to this episode. Arun Gupta is a software engineer and a chair of the board for devox for kids Arun, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Hi, Jeff. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. So we will get into what devox for kids is and your involvement in it, but I'd like to start by just talking more broadly about programming education. From your perspective, what has changed in the last five or ten years with respect to how much computer science and engineering young children are exposed to and how much they should be exposed to
1: if you remember there was a photograph on the top of the time magazine uh, it was a uh, about a 10 month old girl sitting up there and she was trying to f- uh, you know she had an ipad in front of her and she was trying to flick that okay this is how i'm going to read the magazine and that's how go- kids you know really you know at a very early age that's how they're reading magazines. That's how they're reading books. That's sort of the new mode on how kids are consuming technology at such an early age. Now, <clears throat> that has fundamentally changed not just the producers, but the consumers as well. So consumers, of course, they are the first wave. And I guess what's happening from there is because you know it's becoming such a pervasive part of whatever and everything that we do, we're seeing more and more producers as well. Kids say, hey, you know what? I tried that game. I like it. Oh, but I can now manipulate it. I can now actually change it. And thus, you know, starts the excitement because of the first with the big consumer wave and now with the producer wave, all the kids are getting exposed to technology at such an early age. Mm. So do you think
0: there is enough computer science and engineering education going on?
1: Oh, absolutely not! Absolutely not! No, no, I completely uh, don't agree. I mean, if you look at uh, schools, um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll quote my son's personal example. My son, um, uh, he was he started high school at Bellamin, which is a private high school here in San Jose. Uh, we and this is high school, so when he started, when we went for a high school tour, you know, we asked around that what kind of things are they gonna teach them in high school? Oh, we will teach them PowerPoint, Excel. I said, really? It's a high school. And what do you do in sophomore year? Oh, we'll teach advanced PowerPoint and Excel. It's like, when is he going to be ready for college? You know, like, if he's going to keep doing PowerPoint and Excel. <laughs> you know, I think that's for old people, you know, who don't want code anymore. You know, he's not even started with coding yet. So, um, so honestly, I mean, if I look at the state of the public school, and now that's just one public school where we happen to be there. Uh, Bellaman is a private school where they stretch your imagination like crazy, which is really good. And if you go down to elementary school to middle school, most of the kids, most of the teachers, well, let's talk about kids. Kids are heavy consumers. They know how to play a game. They know how to do car race. They know how to kill a monster, all that stuff. Teachers, uh, they say, don't do this, don't do that, don't be exposed to technology that much. I think there is a lack of knowledge on both sides. First, on the kids' side, they know only how to be a producer, they don't know how to be a consumer that, you know what, it's easy to make a game like that in Scratch particularly. And the second part on the teacher side where the teachers don't have the knowledge, oh, Scratch is easy. I can take an effort and I can teach my kids on how to build a game using Scratch. So I think fundamentally at all levels of schools, I've seen where this this lack of knowledge, mm. um, and because of which you know we are not seeing enough computer science in the schools. Mm. Now I
0: went to very good public schools, and there was a lot of emphasis on things like physics, chemistry, biology, uh, these things that are talked about as basic sciences, and there was much less applied science. There was zero computer science unless you chose. The elective, I, you know, I was privileged enough to have the elective uh, offered, but I didn't take it. Um, so I feel like you know the education system has a bit of a uh, difficulty adopting this uh, applied science, particularly the computational science. Um, you know, what are the strategies that that public schools? can take to to start to adopt these more applied sciences these more futuristic sciences that you know we're not being taught 10 years ago
1: right right <clears throat> and i agree you know in the sense that i don't even understand why is it an elective at this point of time you know it is computer science is such a fundamental thing of everything that we do you know I understand not all, everybody want to be a computer scientist, which is perfectly fine actually. But you know, it teaches you certain basic fundamentals of logic, of thinking, of thinking in a in a flow. So it does teach you those valuable concepts. So I mean, to me, is such a fundamental science, just like physics, maths, and I mean, I did chemistry in my high school. I'm not a chemical engineer, I'm no by no sense a chemical engineer. I'm not a physics engineer or a mechanical engineer, but I did read those concepts and I find them very applicable in my day-to-day life. Similarly, I think if we integrate computer science uh, not as an elective but as a core science topic itself, I think it's going to be very useful for kids who are growing up and going into different professions because no matter what they do, no matter where they grow up, they will have to deal with the computer. So that basic awareness that, oh, my computer is frozen. What do I do? Oh, yeah, it's a computer size. you just, know just switch the button, turn it on. So let's go above and beyond that. So they will hopefully be able to appreciate the fact, given the fact that computers are pervasive throughout. I think that's very important. And I think, to me, really, that movement needs to be, it cannot be a grassroots movement. You know, it, unfortunately, you know, it could be a grassroots movement, but in order for the education system to change, the counties, the school boards, The entire education system needs to understand the relevance of this. Um, I've seen some champions here and there. For example, we are working with the local uh, Livermore uh, School District here. They're here in in the Bay Area. There is a local champion over there. She's a parent. She's uh, in the board as well. Um, And she's like, you know, I want to educate. I I want to bring technology into the school. She has been championing that cause for two years and we have done several workshops for them And the board is now realizing the importance of having computer science as part of the curriculum. So the discussions are at a different level now. So I think I would love to see more and more of those discussions. To me, honestly, it brings down to the fact that typically the schools, they have the wish. They may have the resources. They can arrange the budget. But they don't know who can help them champion that cause, who will walk them through that. Okay, you know, this is step one. And I'll get a laptop. This is step two. Install this software. These are the teaching instructions. This is the workshop. So that curriculum is sort of missing as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, I think this is a good place to get into DevOps for Kids because this is definitely a interesting bridge between where we are now and where we need to get to. So why don't you explain what DevOps for Kids is?
1: Yeah, well, uh, <clears throat> DevOps, uh, first of all, is a word for dev. Which is developers and Vox is the Greek goddess of voice. So DevOx is a professional developer conference, which is basically developers' voice. And the conference really started in Belgium, you know, um, about, about 15, 13, 14 years ago almost. Uh, I've been going there for many years as well. Now, most of the organizers of the conference are local. You know, they are live in Belgium or, I mean, it's a multinational conference now because DevOx is in Belgium, France, London a bunch of other countries morocco and now coming to us as well so originally when the organizers wanted to do something you know bring their kids you now tell their kids what do they do for a day job they figured out a lot of the material is in english you know on the websites so now in these french speaking countries and you know flemish speaking countries the kids you know at an early age they don't know english they don't understand english that well so they said okay we're going to start converting the material into the local language And that's basically what started this DevOps for Kids effort. So essentially, DevOps for Kids is an effort to promote technology into kids at an early age. Um, Now, I've been going to DevOps for many years. My son started getting into technology. You know, so I did some workshops in my living room, in my garage, and stuff like that. And so almost three years ago, I formally registered DevOps for Kids USA. Which is a nonprofit 501c3 organization, and our main goal, really worldwide, really, is to get kids excited about technology, with the hope that many of them will become producers of technology in future. And the way we do that is we do workshops uh, on a variety of topics, like you know, computer games, programming robots, build circuits, you program microcontrollers, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Explain what happens at one of these workshops.
1: Yeah, so uh, let me pick one of the workshops. You know, I mean, we have a variety of workshops. So um, let me pick, say, for example, Minecraft modding. That's the one you know that basically led to the creation of uh, DevOps for Kids US. Uh, my son, you know, he is um, about four, five years ago, four years ago, he was big into Minecraft. Not so much, you know, he's in a high schooler, so. He was big into Minecraft, and the one day he came to me, Dad, my work, my jar is broken. What do you mean, my jar is broken? How, how do you know what a jar is? And then we got into the part that he said, Dad, this is written in Java, and, okay, uh, let me help you fix your jar. And then he said, oh, by the way, you can change the game. And we figured out there's a Minecraft modding API. So, essentially, that's what led to the creation of DevOps for Kids US because, we you know, if I can help my son, I'm sure there are other kids who are in need of similar concept as well. So we started the entire effort of DevOps for Kids US. Now we do workshops around the world. In a typical workshop, let's say the Minecraft modding workshop, uh, kids would come. uh, They would come with their laptop. We will typically send them the instructions on what software they need to install. Uh, They come. uh, Most of the time is actually pretty much most of the time it is uh, uh, free open source software. Um, So, they can download the software, we provide them clear instructions, they download the software on the machine and then in the workshop, which is is the most important part, they they get that one-on-one mentoring. So, for example, either my son or myself or some other instructors, we will get together and we'll say, oh, by the way, now uh, we're going to make a bigger explosion. You know, your TNT is two blocks bigger, Uh, TNT explosion is two blocks, now we're going to make an explosion which is 40 blocks big. Oh, and the kid's eyes lit up right away. And how are we going to do that? Oh, we're going to just change this simple method and we're going to click on this button. The idea is to explain to them in a very dumbed-down, simple manner where they understand, you know, it's not rocket science. If I just change these two values and I click on it, behind the scene what's happening is, it's compiling, is jarring, is dropping a JAR file in a Maven repo. They don't need to know all those details. Mm. So pretty much... That's the structure of our workshop. You know, the Kids come in, they register, we give them software instructions, they download software, and once the download, you know, we walk them through what the workshop is about. And a workshop is typically two hours long because two hours is about the time where they're engaged. Um, and yeah, and by end of the day, they take the instructions back with them and we share instructions with them. Um, And then kids go back and share with other friends as well if they want to. Mm. You
0: mentioned Minecraft. You've also mentioned Scratch. What are some of the general platforms and tools that you use to teach kids programming concepts?
1: Uh, Lots of them, actually. So um, we have used Scratch pretty heavily. Uh, So uh, it depends upon what age range of kids we are looking at it. So if you're looking at younger kids, say grade one, two, or three, then Scratch works very well for them because it gives them instant gratification, no typing, or very minimal typing, and then you click on the button and then it plays. You know, if you get into a little bit older and, kids- And Scratch, say, for, four, for those
0: who don't know, it, it's sort of like you just connect these little logical blocks together, Like you, and, and then the idea is that the kid will be able to extrapolate that connection of logical blocks to the writing of code, is that right?
1: Correct, correct. So, so Scratch is basically a tool from MIT So you can go to scratch.mit.edu, and it's a free tool. So there is nothing to be downloaded. uh, And so the installation instruction is very simple. You you need nothing. You just need a browser. Uh, So in browser, you go to scratch.mit.edu. It shows you an interface. On the left side, it'll show you a whole bunch of blocks that you can try. Uh, The blocks would be motion. The blocks would be change the color. The blocks would be um, uh, take 10 steps. So all those different kind of blocks. And so what you do is you drag the block from the left side to the right side, which is the work area. And so once you have connected the blocks together and you say play, those blocks execute one by one, which is very analogous to how you would write a code. Mm -hmm. So it does make them think on how how, uh, to structure their code. For example, you say, kitty, move 10 steps forward, turn around, and move ten steps backward. So those are essentially three different steps that kids need to do. Three different blocks that they need to create. So it does make them think logically and structurally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now there are a lot of different ways that people can get
0: involved in coding. Like I didn't do coding for m- most of you know the first twenty years of my life, and I, but I did do these things that were somewhat creative and somewhat procedural. Uh, you know, like card I played. Card games competitively that had some creativity in them. I, um, you know, I played a game called The Incredible Machine. Um, there are these other things that are kind of really good feeders to programming. But I know there are a lot of people who who mostly engage in more consumptive experiences, like they're they're just playing. Um, you know, video games that are maybe less creative, less engaging. Is there, like, a difference in the the capabilities for when, when kids come into the workshops? Are there certain kids who who, are, who take to it really well because they've, you know, they've done some creative activities in the past, and then are there kids that are maybe less capable because they've only been, I don't know, um Throwing throwing birds at pigs, or uh, or doing more simplistic stuff, or, or do all the kids tend to proceed at a at a similar pace? What's the what's the pacing like for different kids who enter?
1: Yeah, <clears throat> typically the way, <clears throat> excuse me, the biggest problem typically with the kid is getting their attention. Mm. Now, uh, let me give an example. Go back to Minecraft. So, let's say you want to build a Minecraft mod over there. I'm going to make a bigger explosion. Okay, I'm done with the mod. What's next? I said, hang in and let me help other kids. The moment you say that, oh, the kid is going to go back to Minecraft and start playing Minecraft. And while you are doing the second mod, the kid is still on the game of Minecraft because it is so addicting. So more than the creativity aspect of it, you know, I've always been amazed how kids have surprised me with their creativity, particularly in the workshop and independent of what they've been doing previously. But they're getting their attention span is always a challenge. But mm-hmm. most of the time, you know, if the workshop is engaging, if the speaker is engaging and if the speaker knows how to deal with kids, you know, we have never, we, we generally don't have issue around that. And several times we actually ask, or actually, we require the parents to stay at the facility during the workshop because then parents can mentor the kids. Because another issue that we typically face is uh, we send software instructions multiple times on emails. Parents... They either get the mail, they don't get the mail, or they didn't do the installation. And you come to a workshop location, let's say we don't have a good internet. And now imagine you have to download a one gig of software just to get the workshop going. So it's not going to happen. So then parents get frustrated, kids get frustrated. So more than the creativity, I think there are other logistical challenges that we have seen, which could lead to a success or a failure of a workshop or not so success workshop.
0: Mm. So, what is your sense of these the attention span of of kids kids these days? Uh, I mean, is it because I, I just remember my the attention span I had in uh, high school or uh, you know just before high school was um, it seemed like it was probably a lot less than than um, than what was being assumed by the teacher. I mean, the the ways that, that we were being taught were not super interactive. Um, And how do you do you um, appeal to that short attention span that kids have?
1: Yeah, I think one of the key parts of that is, you know, we have we have done some sort of A-B testing with the workshops. Um, And in that what we do is uh, we have had some workshops where the instructor is talking for an hour and then he says, "Okay, let's do hands on. Now, that approach doesn't work generally. Because, you know, we, we, get, we generally don't get high school kids. Most of the time we get elementary and middle school kids. Uh, so their attention span is much smaller. So typically what we have always, the, fo- the formula that we have followed that seems to work very well is you do less talking, more hands-on. So in the sense that, you know, let's again go back to the Minecraft modding example. So don't overwhelm them with the information. Typically in a half an hour, first half an hour, they have their first mod up and running. It basically involves getting their environment set up, you know, make sure their Eclipse is running, make sure their JDK is installed, make sure they can run the game of Minecraft from Eclipse, and and they can code as well. So if they see that first result in half an hour, then they're logged in. Then every like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you're doing a new mod, and it's okay if they're playing in between because they need a break from that because that's what they're more used to. Um, and a lot of time it is individual mentor on how he inspired the kids so I mean like for example I always tell the kids when they come to Minecraft modding workshop that guys you come here to the workshop you know you know how to play the game you don't didn't come here to play the game you come here to be a modder so go back as a modder instead of just being a simple player Mm. so a lot of times as a individual instructor or a mentors style as well
0: How many mentors do you need in the workshop uh, for every, I don't know, for every couple kids or what's the proportion of kids to mentors?
1: Yeah, typically uh, we have uh, one to two instructors. And ideally, if I can have in the real world, then I would love to have like one mentor for every six to eight kids. Um, and, And that really depends upon the age and the style of the workshop, if the workshop is like, okay, I'm going to do this on the computer and you do the same, then it could be easier. But if it does require more hands-on interaction like an Arduino workshop or a Raspberry Pi where you have to put the wires in, then kids tend to get more lost in that. So you may have a higher number of volunteers in that case. Okay. And sometimes you know, we may bring volunteers by ourselves. Most of the times we end up using the parents as the volunteers as well.
0: Do the parents generally have enough familiarity with technology to to be effective at this? Because you know, most parents probably are not super familiar with programming.
1: As a matter of fact, you know we don't need super knowledge uh, or super familiarity with technology, because most of the time our help is very simple. We say, guys, whatever we are doing, make sure your kids are following that, and they're they're, they're just doing it as is. Because, and and that's where the attention span kind of things come in, you know, so as long as the parents are doing their job to making sure that the kids stay focused in the class, listening to the instruction of the instructor and following it, I think that that does it.
0: Have parents who come in with no knowledge of programming, have any of them gotten excited about it and started programming as a result of their own kids workshop?
1: Yeah, several actually. Several. You know, I'm in the Livermore School District that I was talking about. Uh, this parent actually came to our workshop as as an att- I mean, uh, her kid came to our workshop as an attendee. So they attended the workshop. They went back, you know, she said Arun, we would like you two guys to come over and do some workshop for us. And now on October 15th, we are planning a full day of workshops for these guys, you know, uh, at Livermore School District um several other cases you know there were other parents you know, who reached out to us hey we have seen your minecraft modding workshop uh, we have attended your minecraft modding workshop can you deliver that workshop at our school you know so for example in cupertino there's a local elementary school you know again a parent you know became a champion and we delivered the workshop for them you know some of the parents have taken us to their workplaces now that around um, I love the workshop. I cannot have. I don't have the capacity to do it myself. But we would like to invite you to come and do this for us. So uh, all the time. Mm.
0: Well, that's awesome because you know I think the if a kid is learning to code and enjoying it, that can be a great opportunity for some parent uh, kid bonding. And I think you know you've talked about this with with your son uh, Aditya, who was actually on the show. For those who don't know, uh, your 13 year old son, he was he he came on the show to talk about his project MobyCraft, which is uh, this Docker integration with Minecraft. And Aditya started programming very young. By 13, he's using Docker. He's integrating it with Minecraft. So there are probably some engineers who are listening who are parents. Uh, or they're they're eventually going to become parents. What has been your approach to teaching your son to program?
1: Honestly, I never asked him to program, you know, and really our discussions started from the fact that he was playing Minecraft, you know, his jar was broken, and uh, he said, Dad, this is broken. (laughs) I said, okay, if it's broken, let's fix it. Let's find out what's the problem. And that literally triggered our discussion from there onwards. Um... I never expected. You know, it's very uh, pleasant and very um, uh, appealing to me in that sense that he is into programming because I can provide him first-class support in that because I'm a programmer by myself. You know, I do play with technology every day. So that's something I can help uh, firsthand. You can really start. There is no start age per se, you know. Uh, I think the kid needs to feel the spark from inside. Uh, But for Aditya, I think that came maybe around age nine, eight or nine, you know, when he started playing with Scratch, you know, he built that Scratch game at home, and he and me would just sit down on a computer and we'll play something. Um, then, um, uh, um, I think when he started doing with his Minecraft, then he said, okay, Dad, I need to learn a little bit of Java. I said, okay, hey, I'm, I used to work at Oracle that time, and I was responsible for evangelism of Java. <laughs> so I, said, I said, that's something I can help you with because that's exactly my day job. <laughs> so that kind of blended really well. Um, then we started doing some greenfoot and then started doing some other stuff um, So really he has followed his journey by his choice and I'm here only to facilitate hmm. and um, I've offered that choice to several of my uh, friends kids and you know people who know me otherwise I've worked with them just to kind of you know mentor them along that uh, this is what you should be doing.
0: Since you're thinking a lot about education, particularly in the programming space, we've done a bunch of shows about these coding boot camps. We've obviously done shows about college, uh, academic computer science. I studied computer science in, in college. Uh, there's obviously also online education avenues. So there's all these competing things that are kind of eroding the, the vision of college as being the only place to learn computer science. Uh, what what's your perspective on that like if if audit yard decides you know i'm not going to go to school i'm going to go to a coding boot camp or i'm going to go start a company or i'm going to go study uh you know free code camp on my own online um do you have a strong belief that you know one or the other of of these ways is the way to learn computer science beyond high school
1: I don't actually. I don't have a strong belief one way or the other. Now, the classical way of course is college. Um, And going to a college has its own benefits as well because you get to interact with a lot of other kids, you know, you have a structure over there. So I think, uh, and code camp, of course is a lot more free. I would say both the approaches would be fine. It purely depends upon whether your kid needs a structure, whether your kid needs a push, or the kid is self-motivated by himself. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's one of the big things. The other part of it, you know, would be the parent's mindset as well. You know, uh, like, let's say the kids, let's say Aditya says, hey dad, I wanna go to a code camp. I don't know any kid who has done that, so I may be mentally blocked to begin with. So, I guess then we will have a dialogue a little bit. And It will be, bit, no, really, I mean, it will be for me to understand, yeah. you know, uh, how, how does it compare with a college education? And the fact that he just got into high school, I'm not even thinking that far. But if the push comes to shove and we have to make a decision, then, you know, as, as a dad and as a true mentor for my son, I will help him kind of make the right call for him. The call will be his, but I will try to provide all the data points.
0: Mm. Um. So getting back to DevOps for kids, there are, you know, we've talked about Scratch. We've talked about these beginning Minecraft modding workshops that you offer. There's also things you offer like Lego Mindstorms, uh, other robotics platforms. Explain how the, the process, like, do kids have to go to a series of workshops and work up to these more complex Programming platforms like Raspberry Pis or Lego Mindstorms. Like, do you have an introductory workshop, and then you have you work up to the more complex workshops, or how does that work?
1: Right uh, <clears throat> now, ideally, uh, well, generally, we try to keep our workshops very independent, where there is no path: part one, part two, part three, because uh, because we are not a structured course. Uh, there is no formal registration that you register for three workshops in a row. Uh, there is no such thing. You know, it's done on a meetup essentially. Uh, so we try to keep our workshops very independent. Uh, but for each workshop, do we do define the set of prereqs that, okay, if you're coming to a Python level three workshop, make sure you have enough familiarity with Python. And we make it very clear that we will not be teaching Python fundamentals over there. If you're coming to a Lego Mindstorm workshop, hey, we will be bringing the EV3 with us, so you don't need to bring anything with you, but um, we, did really, we really don't need any familiarity because there we need you to bring us, bring your computer, you, know, you install the software, and then you program with it. So we, kind of, we give all the instructions in that sense. Mm-hmm. Similarly, you know, if you're doing a Raspberry Pi, uh, that is done by uh, with my, one of my great friends, Stephen Chin, who works at Oracle. Now, Stephen Chin comes with his entire suitcase of Raspberry Pis so he takes out the Raspberry Pi, he brings out the keyboard, he takes out the uh, LCD display screen. All of those things come out together and we teach the kids. And again, as I was saying, the focus is in that two hours. We don't want them to be, we don't expect them to be an expert of a topic, but we want to do enough to ignite that spark in one of the kids. If we have done that, I think we are successful in that. Mm. So you
0: and I both have worked in the World of software, kind of the business world. And, you know, in businesses, you have metrics for growth, you have metrics, you have KPIs you're trying to hit. And I imagine you take something of a similar approach to DevOps for kids since you are taking this seriously and you're an organizer of the program. Do you have metrics that you're trying to hit, like? As a manager of the program, like are are there growth targets you have, or a uh, number of meetups per year? How, how do you think about that?
1: Yeah, well, we do track it you now. But one of the first thing that to need to realize is, it's a hundred percent voluntary driven program. It's a volunteer driven program. Um, everybody who is participating, contributing to DevOps for Kids, they have a full time job, uh, you know, of day job. Um, So, this is mostly a weekend or a weekday evening kind of a thing. Uh, So, as much as we set, we sometimes set aggressive targets. So, for DevOps for Kids, US particularly, um, right now I'm looking at the the meetup page. There are close to 1700 members on the meetup. You know, these are parents who have registered, who are notified when we announce a workshop. Uh, So, that's one metric that we track. Our goal was to reach, what, 2000 this year. Uh, I don't know at this point if we will be able to reach it, but we're gonna push for it. We have a few events planned, so hopefully we will generate some noise around that. So maybe able to reach that metric. Hmm. The other uh, event, the other metric that we also track is how many meetups we have done? Are these repeat meetups or are these new meetups? Are we creating new workshops? Because you know you can't keep bringing the kids back again and again for the same workshop. That's no fun. So how many new workshops are we creating? Um another meetup we uh, another metric we track is, have we inspired a kid to be an attendee and then go from there to be an instructor? Now, how many um, instructors have we created essentially? And uh, that's something you know we work with them because becoming an instructor you know is a big deal for the kid because that not only they not only have to get over their stage fright, but they need to understand the topic really well to be able to teach it. But we work with them. We mentor with them. So there are several kids that are there, cases like that where we have done that. Um, Another uh, metric that we track is how how many corporate events where we have contributed. So, for example, Java 1 is the biggest Java developer conference. This is going to be our third year in a row that we'll be speaking there. We're doing Java 1 for Kids Day. Uh, OSCON is another one that we have done at. Um, So, several metrics that we track. Uh, But again, because of being 100% volunteer-based organization, we tend to be a little bit loose about them as opposed to being, no, this must be met. And if it must be met, then we need some more money. Right.
0: Yeah, uh, and I think you you mentioned the kids graduating to becoming mentors of the program. That seems like a really appealing feature. I think your son has become one. It gives you an opportunity for leadership Gives you an opportunity for mentorship, and these are really valuable experiences to have uh, as a as a high schooler. Because that that just compounds as you move from high school to college or whatever your your school after high school is, and then into the workplace. Uh, it's it's kind of astounding how valuable leadership skills are in software engineering. Um, so, do you think that every kid should learn to code?
1: At a fundamental level, I, I believe one should, or at least one should try it. You know, you may not like it. Um, it. It's asking the same question. Do you think every kid should eat strawberry? Do you think every kid should try pancake? Do you think every kid should try waffle? Yeah, I think they should. If they don't like it, don't try it. So my feeling is at least try a simple scratch workshop. Don't be ashamed that you are in high school and you have never coded in your life. Try with Scratch, simple, big deal. You know, just hide behind a room if you are ashamed of it. Hide behind a room, try out. There are tons of tutorials around it. As DevOps for Kids, you know, our all of our workshops are completely open source on GitHub. Try any of those. Reach out to us. So I think, to me, should a kid code is a question like, should a kid eat a strawberry? Absolutely, they should.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, uh, I think... I think it's important to to introduce kids to it, like actively, to to make sure that every kid does get introduced it introduced to it somewhere along the education pipeline. Um, so, are you are you spending much time interacting with like educators at uh, at schools and talking to them about how they can percolate this type of learning experience? Because, because uh, I mean, DevOps for kids like it's it's such an appealing uh type of learning but it is very different than how the the learning works in a typical public school uh, although i do get the sense that public schools uh, schools all over are trying to do more project-based work trying to do more collaborative work DevOps for kids in, encourages pair programming um so there is a sense that that schools are trying to move in this direction are you spending much time interfacing with with people at schools
1: we do. We, we, we do try our best. You know, give, again, given that we are a volunteer organization, we do try our best. So, for example, Moreland Education Foundation is a, um, is a foundation in uh, San Jose that is for uh, some parts of the San Jose school districts. Um, we have conducted summer camps for them two years in a row now. Uh, uh, these are Each summer camp is like two weeks long and one hour every day. So like last summer, we did 30 hours of teaching for Moreland Education Foundation. This summer, uh, we did 50 hours of teaching for Moreland Education Foundation. Uh, so a lot of people in the MEF or Moreland Education Foundation, they know us well now. Uh, we have talked to some teachers, but again, they need help and come teach us how to teach them. We're happy to do train the trainer, but again, it kind of becomes a logistical issue that our oh, teachers have their daytime, we have our day job there's a conflict and you know, how do we make it happen so that's one example the other one that we have done as i was talking about is in the Cupertino Union School District you know uh, did a workshop i would go there like 7:30 in the morning you know right before the school starts at 8:15 45 minute workshop for about 8 weeks once a week that worked out well so we talked to some teachers over there uh, i talked about Livermore School District here we're doing a day of event now this time the board is involved, the county is involved. So we're hoping to take the discussion further as opposed to doing just a one-off event. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the biggest help here would be, if we can reach out, and I, I wanna start locally, you know, as opposed to impacting it at a more national level, that would be great, but I live in the Santa Clara County and uh, we have tried reaching out to Santa Clara County. Now, we have not done enough hard work on reaching out to them, but my dream goal would be if Santa Clara County, we can talk to Santa Clara County, to the right person who can make the difference, and then have these DevOps for Kids workshops distributed all across Santa Clara County schools. And I'll make it mandatory. Now, there are a lot of logistics involved with that. And now, essentially, there would need to be teachers who are say, hey, you know what, I'm gonna help you. They raise their hand and they say, we're gonna help you deliver these workshops. So there's a buy-in from teacher because a lot of the times what we hear is, oh, teachers are already busy, they have too much going on, You know, we cannot throw anything anything else on them. So teachers kind of tend to back off. So we need those local champions where either Santa Clara County hire new people who are dedicated, focused on this, or they say, you know, this becomes part of the teacher's job. So I think that would be really good for us. Hmm. Because, I mean, I, I think the big part of that is there is no cost involved for the workshop and the material, and that is already ready. So all they need to do is just put, put it to their kids, distill it down to all the kids, and let them understand it. Hmm.
0: So there are definitely people listening right now who are probably interested in uh, getting involved with DevOps for Kids. Uh, if they're in the Bay Area, obviously they can contact you. Um, what if they're in some place where there is no DevOps for Kids meetup and they're interested in starting their own what are the steps to to getting to getting started with your with your own workshop series is there a way to do that
1: Absolutely you know the process is very simple uh, all we ask is just send us an email at info info@devoxforkids.org um, um so my crime my partner in crime his name is Daniel DeLuca Daniel manages the Devox for Kids worldwide I look only after the U.S. part of it, so Daniel definitely has a lot more responsible job. But the mail comes to us. We tell you what the process is and all those things. We, again, it's very lightweight. Uh, the requirement is really to do one chapter per year, at least, and that should be straightforward. And then we show you where the workshops are, and then you run with that. So just send us an email, um, and Daniel manages You know where all the chapters are being run. Either we connect you with the local chapter lead, or if there is none then we are happy to kind of help you open a new chapter over there.
0: All right, well that's great. Everybody listening should consider that and uh, and check out DevOps for Kids. Um, Arun, thanks for coming on the show. This has been a great conversation.
1: Thank you so much, you know. I really enjoyed it as well. That's great. Okay, cool.
0: Was there anything else you wanted to
1: add? No, I think it's good, you know, because uh, our main website is usa well devoxforkids.org. that's our main website. Uh, you can certainly reach out to me, Arun Gupta, uh, Arun.Gupta at gmail.com. Uh, we are always looking forward to who the next kid would be who will become an instructor.
0: That sounds great. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Arun. I'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. Take care, Jeff. Thanks. Bye.
0: Thanks to Symphono for sponsoring Software Engineering Daily. Symphono is a custom engineering shop where senior engineers tackle big tech challenges while learning from each other. Check it out at symphono.com/se daily. That's symphon dot com/se daily. Thanks again, Symphono.
1: Wow.